Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians 6, Genesis 1 and 2, and Isaiah 59. Ephesians 6, 10 through 19. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 and 2, 7. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Isaiah 59, 16 through 21. He saw that there was no one He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak, according to what they have done. So he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants. From this time on and forevermore, says the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor. Good morning, Ms. Bobo. Good. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Welcome to those of you who especially are visiting um, this morning. And uh, just so you know, as we continue 
together in this explicit lyrics of the faith sermon series. I want to remind you that this sermon series is about exploring and recovering orthodox Christian beliefs that may have slipped out of discussion or over time, uh, or maybe you, you have never quite understood what and why church people seem to believe what they believe. I'm hoping that through this series that we've been in, that, uh, that it'll let you see the explicit ingredients of what is often a canned and processed and very marketed American evangelical Christianity. It's about time we turn the can around and look at the back more closely. And among, among the sometimes hard to understand and pronounce and preserved and protected church ingredients is pneumatology. Yep, pneumatology. And you may recognize the pneuma. Yeah, the word that starts with a P and not an N, right? And the word as in pneumonia, as in pneumatics a pneumatic needle, as in things that are about breath or air or wind, and more properly for Christianity, the theological study of God the Holy Spirit and spiritual things. It is explicit in Christianity that the spiritual world is for real. And it's important that we take it seriously. And so like an MRI, right, the Bible calls us to and gives us a look at the soft tissue, if you will, in and behind our world, the spiritual world. And from our scriptures today, I want you to know that first, the evil in this world is spiritual. Secondly, that human beings are spiritual in our being and in our struggles. And finally, of course, our God is spiritual, fighting and standing for his people. Back in college, I hung with the charismatic crowd. Back then, I thought Presbyterians like us were barely and rarely truly saved, right? Because they were too heady and not spiritual enough. In our little spiritual group of friends uh, back then, uh, we were deep into reading these spiritual warfare books and even went to demonology conferences so we could learn the different categories of demons and how to deal with and recognize them. And there was this one spiritual warfare book series that really caught our attention. I remember they were biographies of, of, of people who had, who had seen horror-like manifestations of satanic and demonic beings, right? It was like our acceptable Christian horror books. We were really into it. At the church we were a part of, there was a doctor and his wife who had this really huge house in the foothills, and they, like our own Brad and Rebecca Snyder sitting over there, they became the college ministry house and couple. And one night we had a sleepover at their house, about seven or eight of us, you know. 
And we started telling them about the spiritual warfare demon book stuff we're reading, you know, because it was fun for us. And they were like, uh, we know that author personally. Oh, my Lord, really? And in fact, she has been in this house. Uh-oh. And one of those demonic manifestations happened right here in that back room. They went on to tell us how their son somehow had gotten into drugs and Satan worship. And one night, they went back to his room. And when they opened the door, the temperature in the doorway felt like 15 degrees lower. And it was darker than the normal dark in there. And that their son muttered from inside the dark room, don't come in because he is here. He was a demon. And they explained how their son fell on the ground and went crazy, kind of like an Exodus movie, and how they had to call the woman from the books we were reading to deal with it. And he was like, well, it's getting late. Good night, kids. See y'all in the morning. I was like, I want to go back to the dorm now. I had watched enough horror movies to know what was about to happen next. One of my white brothers and sisters was going to get curious <laughs> and cause something evil to be get mad, and then somebody black would be the first one to die from it. And I was the only black one at the house. I want to go back to the dorm. Because we kids like Scooby-Doo, we were meddling, right? But it, but it hit us that night, the spiritual world is real. And just like that night, the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians seeks to sober his readers and listeners in this letter in the Bible. All through the book of Ephesians, so far from first chapter up to now, right, he's been talking about salvation and sin and all kind of great theology and God's love. And, and, and just when you think it's wrapped up with a nice cognitive thinking heady bow, he comes along and says at the end, there is a crazy spirit world that you are really dealing with. And like me that night, wanting to go back to the safe ivory tower of dorm room, college academia, we often want to run away and deny and pretend that the spiritual world doesn't exist. But yes, part of the Christian faith is the fact that there is spiritual evil in this world complete with evil spiritual beings. Look with me at chapter 6, verse 10. The apostle says, finally, right? All the stuff I explained, he could have stopped there. It would have been a nice theological faith that we were a part of. Easy to understand. Just go to seminary and you'd get it. He said, finally, though, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual force, forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Bible is teaching us that there is a spiritual realm 
here called a heavenly realm, another dimension to our world where there are evil spiritual beings. Like as Paul mentions, the devil and cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil that are not flesh and blood who, as the Bible teaches elsewhere, used to be angels in God's service and sought to rise up against God with the former angel Lucifer and were condemned to hell and evil and darkness forever. This isn't a comic book. It's the Word of God. A popular movie right now is the Disney Pixar cartoon movie Minions. No, I'm not going to say don't go see Minions because it's evil. But minions, and in this movie, apparently these non-human, non-animal Twinkies with eyes and somewhat just an eye, right, are looking for the most evil person to follow and serve on earth. When the Bible talks about these beings in Ephesians and throughout Scripture, it is using words close and akin to minions, as in devil, Satan, and his minions, his followers, and evil servants, but they are anything but funny, yellow, adorable, walking Twinkies. They are the darkest, deadliest evil beings that have ever existed and ever not to be seen by most people. For those of you who know me, I love the thrill of horror movies, like roller coasters. I like that feeling. Why do I do it to myself? And sometimes they get sucked into watching them. And I went and saw a movie called The Conjuring. Y'all, scariest horror movie I've ever seen in a while because based on a true story and events of the only non-priest exorcist recognized by the Catholic Church, based on true events. Oh, crud, why'd they put that at the end? Just when I was beginning, you know, to vacate the reality of stuff, I'm like, yes, it's over because it was just fake. And I saw that guy in another movie. That's the sunshine guy from Remember the Titans. I know that ain't real. <laughs> Quarterback from Remember the Titans, now some exorcist guy. Nah, that ain't, that ain't real. But then it then, based on true stories, here's the newspaper clippings. And of course, I pulled my phone out and looked at the newspaper clippings, and it was real. Oh, no. But it had some confirming, don't go see it, but it had some confirming theology for me. And that was and is scary. He believed that ghosts were real and were manifestations of spiritual beings, minions, demons taking the form of a story or ghosts to draw people away from truth, to trick them into thinking they are seeing old grandpa walking around the house or old man Jones back to get revenge in an attempt to connect with us to shake our world and faith away from God. I believe in paranormal activity. Not because of a movie, but because the Bible says it is going on right here. What makes a spiritual thing more than a Hollywood thrill is that these spiritual beings are engaged in a struggle, a tugging back and forth, and a battle between and for this physical world. Look at what the Bible says here again in Ephesians in chapter, I mean, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
This may not be immediately uh, apparent, but the language used here is one of battle, of team strategy, with positions and calling and purpose and plans and schemes taking place in the spiritual realm. And apparently from this scripture and others in the Bible, the devil and his minions are regimented in design and purpose and place and seated in history, scheming with deliberate plans to infect and affect certain countries, people, passions, movements, and an all-out, no-holds-bar attempt to stop and confuse and frustrate the beautiful relationship between God and his people and even interrupt God's salvation of his people and then the final judgment of them. What the Bible is talking about is the war of the world's. And from the beginning of time, they, the dark powers, have been in spiritual engaged struggle with God and humans. What am I saying? The spiritual battle is the real battle for our planet, right? For our lives, for our hopes, for our redemption and salvation, for our very humanity. Which brings us to this. Not only do we live in a world with evil spiritual beings, we humans are spiritual we have spiritual lives and spiritual struggles. Look at our Genesis passage um, about God creating human beings. Um, back in Genesis 1, verse 20. Let's see what I wrote down. 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Over the flesh, excuse me, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then in verse 7 of chapter 2, if I can find it, these words getting smaller and smaller. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of man of dust from the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And it says here, and the man became a living creature. If you've ever read uh, the creation accounts in Genesis 1 and 2, maybe you've noticed that the Bible says that God made everything by the word of his mouth, every other thing, but that he shaped man with his hands and then what? Breathed the breath of life into him and man became a living, your translation says creature. Well, I don't like that translation. There's other translations and a better translation in my opinion to get what is going on here that separates Adam and Eve from from the creatures is that when God breathed the breath of life, mankind became a living soul. That there is spiritual, there is a spiritual component to who you are. And for you theologians who want to argue about the minutiae of the human composite, I am not taking a stand on whether we are two or three-dimensional beings, whether we're just body and soul or body, soul, and spirit. I am simply contending that you are more than flesh and blood and biology. But you are a spiritual being in earthly bodies. And God has created divine, let me see, a, a divine interface between our bodies and our spirits and our souls. Look at how Genesis handles it, how and why we look like this. It says that God created man in his image and likeness so that we could, what, have dominion 
over the earth so that we can have a engagement with a God who is spiritual while at the same time engaging in earth that is physical. I believe this verse is teaching that we have been given a spiritual responsibility that God, call, God calls that dominion to be earthlings. We have a spiritual responsibility to be earthlings, to be able to and have the right to stay grounded and be physiological and biological in our spiritual express relationship with God, which means we are confined to and by our bodies in ways that fully spiritually beings are not. But at the same time, we are affected by and play and have played a huge part as earthlings in the spiritual world that we don't and can't see. I mean, y'all know the story. Adam and Eve were schemed right? Just like verse 11 says in the script in Ephesians, they were schemed with trickiness by the serpent or the devil, right? Taking serpent form. And it talks, you know, and Ephesians talks about this in their physical decision, right? To take the fruit and eat it, driven by a wrong spiritual desire, led to what? Spiritual and physical death and moral decay we can understand why. When they fell to the schemes of the devil, the place where God had given them dominion, the stuff, think all the stuff he listed chapter one, the management of the earth, the creation of society, the the relationships we have, right? The, The way we get along here on earth, the way we communicate what God has given us and made us to each other in this world, right? We had dominion in there. We were doorkeepers of things physical and spiritual. Those things became infected. They became virus by an evil spiritual reality and evil spiritual beings. We're about to come around in a minute. But Adam and Eve sinned against God. When they did that, they opened up the spiritual door to sin and all hell broke into our world. With demonic and spiritual forces against them and this world that God had originally made all good. That is why God, through the Apostle Paul, says here in the Bible now, in Ephesians, that human beings, believers here more accurately, in all of their fight against what is sinful and broken in them and the world and all the things that God has given dominion over is not a battle against flesh and blood, though it may come out in the behavior and action and physical right and wrong action arena, but it is actually a fight against the spiritual world that is behind the brokenness. Here is something I noticed interesting when I was studying the Ephesians passage in verse 12, when it talks about at the end of that verse in in verse 12, spiritual forces of evil. The word spiritual, right, is pneuma. And it appears to be the New Testament equivalent to the word in Genesis, nephesh, or living soul. Our battle is with spiritual brokenness in us and in this world. That is our real battle. That is what is really wrong with our world. It is the condition of our souls, right? Our spirits, our hearts before God that determines whether we are dominated or overcome by the forces of spiritual evil. 
And here's the bad news, right? We all sin and have sinful tendencies. Every day, in, in word, thought, and deed, in some manner, you know, and, and as believers, we, we work, I mean, God has worked in our hearts not to necessarily act in this way. In the pattern of a former world and fallen world when you're born again, but but we tend to be tempted, right? And if we don't know the Lord, we automatically fall in the same motion as our parents, Adam and Eve, right? We are constantly wanting to eat the fruit, to live life on our own, to be ignorant or, right, just ignore spiritual things going on with us or spiritual responsibilities God has given us. And every day we, we exercise these sinful tendencies. And let me tell you, sin is like barbecue sauce and sweet tea at a cookout to a yellow jacket. And those who live in the South know what I mean. And that yellow jacket is like spiritual evil and spiritual beings. We are going to get swarmed and possibly stung. And some of us already have. And the world has no idea. And some of you believers are asleep in the light of your own truth, true, truth right? It's spiritual, y'all. That's why it's racial. It's spiritual. That's why it's emotional, it's spiritual. That's why it's biological, it's spiritual. That's why it's so political or social, it's spiritual. That's why it's sexual and, and even messed up racially and emotionally and biologically and politically and socially and sexually. No, not because there is demon possession every, in everyone and all of that, but because there is sin in everyone. And where there is sin, there is spiritual brokenness. And when there is sin, there is spiritual brokenness and evil spiritual activity and possibly most likely a stronghold, right? A real serious deception or minion in our dominion. It's just nuts. Then how much energy, right? Time, books, money, Resources, breath, words, communication. I mean, everything on getting right what we can see and think we control. Everything on TV, right? Everything you basically deal with every day, right? Whether it's how you can exercise and eat better and get along with people, all kind of programs. And when you go to work, and granted, the Bible says these things have some, I said, some benefit. But let me ask you something. How and where is your soul's health? Where is your soul protected in this world? Trust me, most of y'all have insurance or want to have it. Most of you, right, have some kind of, are hoping to have some kind of money for savings or some kind of protection of your family. Some of you think about those things when you go to bed at night, you lock your door. But let me ask you, those who are so consumed, and I'm one of them, with what is physically affecting us, how much time and effort and thought and diligence do you pay to your spirit and to your soul? The Bible says here, be strong 
in the Lord and in the strength of his might that you will be able then to stand against the schemes of the devil by living in according to the armor of God. And for you who are pacifists, I don't like to talk about war and battle. Okay. I think God wouldn't be mad if I were to update it and say, it's not just armor, but it could be a uniform like the, you know, the Center for Disease Control, like what they wear. Or a doctor wears to control disease with a scalpel in hand to dissect, what, spiritual evil? To be spiritually conditioned and covered with, the scripture is saying, truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and salvation and the word of God. For your spiritual life and health on earth. Y'all might not know that I grew up listening to music and going to concerts by Carmen. Anybody know who Carmen is? Sometimes I still listen to that to get myself going. He's a Christian entertainer that who was popular in the 80s. And I have all his albums up to 95, so I'm not hating. But in one of his songs called Satan Bite the Dust, he describes believers as authorized and deputized to blow Satan away, right? Satan bite the dust. And he's got this Western hip-hop thing going. Just, just, it was good at the time. <laughs> I urge you to be careful. The scripture about spiritual warfare is not a call to get into and be consumed with being demon slayers. Going to conjure up a fight. You see, we can get the wrong picture here of armor as if only it only has life if we bring life to it, right? Like it hangs in the closet until we get into it and make it work. I remember when I was a kid for Halloween, my mom was, you know, a real Jesus fan and fanatic and that was good. You're not dressing like a demon. You're going to put the armor of God on. So I went to the Christian bookstore and I had the armor of God. <laughs> Satan bite the dust. I was ready. Cute. Soldier for Jesus. Onward Christian soldiers, right? And we kind of get that picture. No, this armor that the apostle is describing is the living, active, protecting, and saving power of God himself in you and on you while you live in this world. It is only described as armor so that you would accept the fact that the gifts of God to struggle with spiritual forces inside and out are at the disposal and accessible to God's people. But the armor is God himself, Right? It is God giving of himself and his gifts for us to make it here as sinful human beings who naturally attract and contract supernaturally detrimental and dangerous spiritual stuff to us and in us by our word, thoughts, and deeds. And also because believers called by God are called to go places and into people's lives where there could be some serious spiritual heaviness and demonic strongholds when the apostle Paul writes about the armor of God here. It is like divine plagiarism. 
which is good. Because approximately 1,000 years earlier, Isaiah wrote this. Turn with me to our Isaiah passage. He, that's God, saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak according to their deeds. So he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the, to the coastlands. He will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives and a redeemer will come to Zion. To those to, in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord from this time forth and evermore. I'm so sorry. I don't have time to break down the beauty of this passage more. That's what I don't like about topical sermons, but here we are. But this is what it's saying. Humans, God's people, right, are in a spiritual world that is beyond their power and control. So God decided, as Isaiah said, and we sang earlier, to be the right man on their side against the spiritual evil forces of the devil and human sin. And the scripture's teaching us that he, God, put on his armor, the armor of God, to go into battle. Now, don't let the comic book image take you too far. This is more than Tony Stark's in Iron Man suit or Bruce Wayne in the Batman getup, right? This is God standing between, right? Warring between and with evil spiritual forces in the heavenlies to save earth and earthlings from spiritual death and ruin. This is God himself on earth clothed and operating in truth and righteousness with the gospel of peace and salvation and faith and the power of his word to deliver spiritually broken people. He is God, the spiritual warrior king, come in the flesh to bring and keep spiritual life for people like you and me. And the Bible says he not only protects and fights, he comes with all kinds of gifts. Look at what he says. He puts his spirit in their mouths. He comes to give the gift and gifts of the Holy Spirit. He comes to breathe a new spirit into people who were spiritually dead in their sins and who have to live in a spiritually deadly world. Let me get to it. The armor of God is the same as the armored God. And the armored God is Jesus Christ. When it says God put on the armor of salvation, it's interesting. It is a reference to the incarnation. It is a reference to God the Spirit, our God who is spirit, taking on human flesh. But as he did so, taking on a form where he could go to battle for earthlings in spiritual issues in their lives. 
and he is calling us into. And to walk in according to his saving and loving power and to get into and let his grace get into our souls so that God's spirit can come into us and re-soul us, if you will, to revive us, to, to put a new spirit within us, to replace what is dead and deadly and sick. It is Jesus who gives and who is the armor of righteousness and truth, who is the living word and makes the word live, who is our gospel of peace, who is our faith and shield. You cannot handle the spiritual brokenness and powers in and around you. You and I are sitting ducks against the schemes of the devil at work in and according to sin. But in Jesus, you are allowed and free to stand, to stand righteous and in truth and by his word and live in peace of the gospel, knowing that you are his regardless and that we live behind a shield of faith that he will keep us through it all. We're just starting to let our boys go ride their bicycles around the neighborhood without us. Kind of scary. And we have rules about what streets they can go up and down. And no, you can't drive down the greenway all up in the woods. And please take your phone with you and keep it on. Or, yeah, you can go on the greenway, but you can only go with your brothers up to this point, right? And more often than not, there is this sigh, right? Uh, or even question, why, Dad? What? Everybody else is doing it. Last week, so-and-so went down that greenway and nothing happened to him. Why can't I go on the greenway alone? And why can't I go in this neighborhood? You know, kids can't see and know what we as parents can see. That's why we are called their guardians. And as they ride their bikes, it is our truth, right? It is our words. It is our righteousness, right? Which is our determination of what is good and bad and what neighborhoods are good and bad. It is our faith, our family bond, our gospel of peace, which is the parental love we have for them. It is our ability to find and get to them if and when we need to, that as they obey, but more so as we, his parents, are powerful to instill and act as parents, that we the parents are like the invisible shield of protection that is more important than a helmet, though that's good too, for protecting our boys against what they will not be able to stand on on their own. What my boys can't see and can't tell or comprehend that is against them. And what we know is curious and thinking they are greater than they are and sometimes even mischievous, right? Right, we are a personal armor around them. That we urge them to take when they leave the house because it is for real, more real than they can imagine 
out there. I got good news for you. If you are in Christ, he is an invisible armor and fence and protection around you. You can live and work and for the glory of God, engage this world and love all sorts of people with all sorts of issues, calling them to the love of Jesus. And as the Bible says, the gates of a demonic and satanic hell will not prevail against the grace of God at work in and through you. And let me also say this. I don't care what you might have done in your past. Or what dark and evil, sinful, even occultic things you might have gotten mixed up in. Be strong and sure in the power of God's might. 10,000 devils could have been waiting for you and even living in your soul. I can say this. His righteousness, his truth, his faith, his word, his salvation has got you clean and has got you covered. So I urge you, believer and unbeliever, don't go here or there in this world and get this even in your own heart without the grace of the faith, without the grace of God's armor for your soul. Some of us are crazy enough to engage this world in its politics, in its economics, in its social and morality issue. All of these new things we are dealing with right now and we are making opinions about concerning the, the God and love and sexuality and race issues and class and power struggles. And you know what's funny? We are arrogant and foolish and forgetting how much we are loved and cared for by God, right? And just how cunning evil forces are and just plain forgetting that this stuff is not about flesh and blood. It is not about your ability to reason or be emotional or be loving enough in your own self. But this is a spiritual struggle out here. When you turn on the news, it is a spiritual struggle going on. When you hear your neighbor talk about this or somebody at the coffee shop talking about this, these things that are clashing, it seems, with the word of God, don't you understand? It's a spiritual brokenness and spiritual engagement going on. If you and I go there, into our own hearts even without being informed by the protection of God, it is like showing up to a knife fight with a spoon. And I've seen it, y'all. I have experienced it, and I'm going to warn you. You and I will easily be tricked. You know what the prince of dark, you know what the prince of this air of this world translate into? The dominator of this world. You cannot play cards with Satan and win. You can't play life with Satan and win. If Adam and Eve, right, who had no sin before then, fell to his scheme, why do you think you can stand outside of Christ? Why do you think you can figure it out without the truth of God's word, without the righteousness of Christ. The 
The spiritual world is too much for you outside of Christ and his gifts. Refuse to enter into relationships and opinion forming without being clothed strongly in God's truth, gospel, word, faith, salvation. It's like my boys. God and his love in Christ is an armor for you. People of God, find your strength in Christ in this world where the spiritual is for real. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you fought for us that you are our spiritual protection. Too often we engage in this world, leaving behind the word, leaving behind the gospel, leaving behind the faith, and we find ourselves lost and kidnapped and hijacked by things that are not true. Help us, Lord, to refuse to go and engage this world without the armor of God's protection and love in Christ Jesus. Lord, for those of us who don't know the Lord this morning, help us, Lord, to recognize that spiritually we are done. And we need a new spirit in us. And we need somebody to deliver us from spiritual darkness. Help your people to deliver that truth to others. And help those of us who hear it to receive Christ today. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.